0: CFL fans, are you ready because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown
1: starts now. Alright, welcome to Canadian Football Countdown. No, your minds are not crossed up. It is Tuesday. There was a football game yesterday which prevented us from being on the air. There's one reason why, if it's Monday Night Football in the CFL, that that means we have an extra game to talk about. So, on today's show, deja vu all over again for the Bombers in BC.
0: How many trick plays do you do before you out-trick play your own trick plays? What is Ron in Hamilton? Four and O Eskimos. What's changed and how far can they go? Ottawa. What about them? Ottawa. The struggle continue. And MOP most outstanding player Ricky Ray. Plus, are the Riders
1: turning a corner?
0: We discuss all this and more over the next hour here on the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg.
1: I'm Michael Gale. I'm Ryan Coop. Deja vu all over again for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Let's read you that. Bombers out to a big lead. After BC starts to draw, Bomber's up 14, I think it was 17 points at one time. I was just sorry, 17 unanswered. Sorry, it was 18 unanswered. What am I fainting? A touchdown, two point, a touchdown, touchdown, convert, two point inversion, tie football game, and then the day one in field goal, and then Oh, boy. Felt like November all over I remember there. it just like it's November. <laughs> no way, because it is similar to what we saw in November. Ryan, how did you see this?
0: Have you ever seen two more identical football games between the same two teams? Mm, Cowdery-Ottawa? Maybe. I guess, but I mean, like... To a T, this was the, the same football game. Like, it's incredible that the last two meetings between these two teams, what, six months apart and the exact same way, <laughs> lights
1: just went on in the studio. Yeah, we have a faulty light, but lights go on and off. But yeah, back to that. Um,
0: I mean, the whole fourth quarter, it was. It, it's not the greatest case of deja vu for bomber fans you know certainly building that lead they started slow it was all bc early on in the game and all of a sudden the bombers just let loose and just came back stormed ahead took that big lead and then let it go again in the fourth quarter and it's like this is a football game
1: they should have won i don't know ryan if you've seen the point spread among points scored versus points given up by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season. Terrible first quarter, terrible fourth quarter, good second, and good third quarter. Point differential-wise. what is it? What does that tell you about the Bombers? The slow starters can't finish. And is that a
0: concern for you if that continues throughout the season? Because... At this point, you know, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're five 500 on the season, and those second and third quarters, they have dominated for a large portion of them, especially in those two games they won. But at the same time, you know, you start slow, and the right football team is going to make you pay for a slow start. You look at the BC Lions, we thought they did that, but then the Bombers came back here. You look at when they faced the 4-0 and Edmonton Eskimos eventually, with Mike Riley at quarterback. They're going to make you pay for a slow start. And also, there's these same teams who are strong finishers and can you know, lead the late drives. And we're going to talk about the Eskimos and how they did that this week. So I think that's something... That's a concern for me when it comes to the Bombers because you can play great all you want in the middle, but you have to play 60 minutes.
1: I don't want to play devil's advocate here and I don't want a certain team's fans to the west of ours and other fans to think that I'm making excuses, but when I look at what I saw from the guys at the back end of the Bomber defense, I'm talking about Sam linebacker, corner linebacker, Middle linebacker to an extent. I'm not too sure what was expected given the fact that three of those four integral pieces of our defense are out. Now, I don't want to upset, you know, Stampede fans who are just saying, wow, well, we had injuries too, but we overcome them. I mean, to be
0: fair, that's, that's something every team deals with in football. You're going to have injuries, so you better have the depth to replace them. But
1: I want to present this point to you, and that is in order for the bomber defense to be better,
0: the offense has to be better. Yes, moats definitely. I would agree with you on that. And uh, is
1: that maybe the first step in trying
0: to... Yeah, certainly. I mean, your offense is better. Your offense gets more first downs, marches down the field. It eats up clock. It's less time your defense spends on the field. less time they spend on the field, the less, the less tired they get. you know. And you generally play better when you're not exhausted and when you still have the energy to catch the receiver running down the sidelines. And I think, yeah, the injuries for the Bombers have been a large part of that defense, the defensive struggles, and that's a thing that teams are exploiting. Travis Lulay did a great job of that in this game, threw for over 400 yards again this week. And two touchdown passes going all to that one side of the football field. If you noticed, throwing away from guys like TJ Heath and trying to just attack that one side of the field where the Bombers have those, you know, those backups playing, those rookies playing. And that's something they did that all day long. Brian Burnham, Emmanuel Arsenault, they they targeted that side of the field and that's where they really hurt the Bombers.
1: I mean, I've been that one catch that Burnham made. With Rob Carmichael standing right there. Like, I don't want to make excuses, but there's a couple of balls that Lule put where, let's be frank, only his guy was going to catch it, regardless where you put it. And I think there's something to be said about that. And for me, I'm really disappointed with the play calling of the Bombers as a whole in the first quarter this year. I mean, I see Calgary simplify things. Five yards, five yards, first down, they settle their quarterback into the game by making completable passes, gaining yardage, keeping defenses off the field and off balance early. I think for me, if the Bombers are going to have any success this week at all, against the very, very good Montreal defense, Mm -hmm. it's going to come down to those first two drives. Can they maintain the clock in the first quarter? And just, I I don't understand how other teams make it so simple with these, you know, these seven-yard pitch and catch. Let's move this down the field methodically, early. Yeah, you know And the th- bombers can't do that, and I struggle to think of why. I
0: I agree with you because they clearly like they have the playbook they need to succeed. We've seen that throughout the second and the third quarters where Paul Apolis really opens up the playbook. We've seen some creative plays. We've and seen he, a lot he, of uses of Andrew Harris as a receiver, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, in the former era, Marcel Belfay as the offensive coordinator. You would have never seen any plays like that. And granted, we didn't have Andrew Harris back at the time, but that's something Paul Apolis has utilized well. I mean, Harris had six carries this game, but 12 catches. So that's something, if you have a running back like him, that you can spring loose like that for those, you know, passes when
1: all of your reads downfield are covered. I actually think it's better for Andrew Harris to be involved on the receiving end than the rushing end especially against the defense like BC, if it's so aggressive, you know, to kind of start him out in the slot and get him moving to help him gain some positive yardage. That being said, you, you touched on the trip play, and then I about the onside punt, intentional or not. What a replay! play. Yeah. <laughs> it's something, and, and this is something, like, to me,
0: it's so odd that You look at the Bombers last season Mm -hmm. and this season. The Bombers pulled out a couple trick plays in one game last season. Guess who it was against? The BC Lions. Every time Mike O'Shea and Wally Buono meet on the field, Mike O'Shea tries to pull something out of the playbook. Did you see the look on
1: Wally's face after that onside punt? No, I didn't. He's like staring in bewilderment, like, you wanted to maybe challenge to make your video with the offside, but boy, boy, to tell you well, we did not see that one coming. That was that play, that onside
0: punt or fake field goal onside, whatever you want to call that onside yeah. kick, field
1: goal, whatever he it was. We kicked the field goal like you would an onside, and I died behind him on the line of scrimmage. That thing was a thing of beauty.
0: That play, I was amazed. At first, I saw it and I thought Medlock. Terribly missed, and he had the streak going in right, and I was like, he kicks field goal, and he just shanks it sideways. I'm like, what the heck happened? Then all of a sudden, Mike Miller runs and picks up the ball, and it's like, oh wait, we did a good thing, you know? Yeah. Like it's something you didn't see coming because nobody saw Mike Miller hiding in
1: the corner of the along the sideline, which according to the rule book is legitimate because he's behind the punters, so therefore. Therefore, it could become the change of possession.
0: Right. Um. I just like the idea of Mike O'Shea sitting there with the rule book late night. He's got his lamp on. It's in the dark. He's got his reading exactly glasses on. That's exactly what I'm picturing. And he's just sitting there leafing through the rule book. Nope, can't exploit that. Nope, can't. Oh, wait, there we go. That's a <laughs> trick
1: play. when do, goes and looks at the schedule. When do I play BC next, you know? <laughs> And there was also that, I don't know if you saw that in the Ottawa game, not this week, but the week before, they tried the the, the quick kick. Right, yeah. On second and 22, the ball, according to the robot, only has to go 10 yards to be deemed a change of possession. Mm. So if Ottawa would have recovered it, it would have negated the 22 yards required. And it would have been a first down wherever they touched the ball. These coaches, I tell you, they pick apart that
0: rule book, and anything that is not clear in there, they're going to find it, and they're <laughs> going to exploit it.
1: What, what what do you attribute that to? The closed practices.
0: Oh, most certainly. The Bombers closed practice one day this past week, and now we obviously know why. All and these they'll
1: do it again this week.
0: All these different trick plays they pulled out. Um, why is it against just against BC that they seem to pull it out? Because last season, we had that Rory Kohler touchdown pass to Matt Nichols, uh, as well as that uh, fake field goal to West, and Dressler takes it and runs for it. That happened both in the same game against the Lions last year. And now, obviously, they pulled out trick play after trick play and won too many in this game <laughs> against BC this past week. Why against the Lions? Coincidence. Do you think there you you don't think there's anything besides coincidence to it? No. Because I I my thoughts on this is this. We all know what Wally Buono is capable of. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's
1: He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer when he decides oh, w- without to without
0: a doubt. This guy knows how to coach. Mike O'Shea, I think, coming into these football games thinks, I need to out-coach Wally Buono. And how do you do that? You pull out the plays he's not expecting, right? And so I think that's something that he's been trying to do. And I mean, it cost them in this game. Yes, many of them succeeded, but I think it was almost too much of an effort to try to outcoach him. Just get that, oh, all of our trick plays have worked so far. Let's get that one last one in to really catch them off guard here. And that's the one we're going to talk about now, Mike. That fake punt pass from justin medlock
1: to do you remember was it to derrick jones yeah jones was wide open and didn't turn around
0: (laughs) i mean he wasn't expecting the pass do you blame him if you're on the punt cover team and you don't know you're faking it and throwing the ball to you like are you gonna turn around no you're gonna run downfield and cover your guy i i was talking about this with people and this play if they would have done it At like the 50-yard line on third down, not a bad decision. And obviously, if it succeeded and the Bombers win this game, everyone's praising the decision. But third down, you're up by eight with about seven minutes to go from your own 26-yard line. Terrible, terrible play call.
1: Okay. Terrible!
0: And I know there's debate okay who's who actually called this play. Some people suggesting uh Mike O'Shea let Justin Medlock, okay if you see something you go ahead and call and you do the fake.
1: There's a different thing, Ryan, and this is what fans don't understand. Getting the green light versus calling the plays is not the same thing. It's not. Getting the green light means if you see something and you think you can exploit it, go for it. If not, kick it. I know but I've had a couple of days to think about this. I have zero problems with the play call.
0: I mean, to me, like with a play like that, that you're taking a risk, and you have to outweigh the risk versus the reward... You the reward, you the reward, you get the first down here, you catch them off guard. You know, the risk with it, I mean, you're at your 26-yard line, you turn the ball over, one pass later, and they're in the end zone. The way the defense
1: was playing, what, does it matter? Might have. The way Madlock was punting, what, does it matter?
0: The way the defense has played this year, coming with those uh, clutch turnovers when needed? You don't know, right? I think the the risk was just too high and they paid for it with that. Uh, I mean, what have we seen Justin Medlock throw the ball? Like, that's the thing with the kicker. Yeah, he's he's got you know he could have a decent arm, but you don't know because that's not something you maybe you practiced it this week, but
1: For me, I have a bigger problem with how BC's field goal was set up. What do you mean? The Matt Neckle Dante. Yes. Above anything else. Because people are forgetting the Bombers had a chance to win it with two minutes left. Most definitely. And Matt Nichols threw it away.
0: And then the deja vu comes full circle with the final play of the game. I said this as I was watching the entire, you know, fourth quarter long, entire game long before the game started, jokingly. It's going to come down to a 61 yard field goal. And I swear, I thought as this game, as BC caught up in the fourth quarter, I was like, this is going to come down to a last-second 61-yard field goal, just like it did in November. And while it wasn't from 61, Justin Medlock first miss on the year from 50 yards out on the final play of the game, and the BC Lions win. What happened? Like, I get one thing if Justin Medlock misses wide left or he misses wide right, but I do not... I cannot comprehend what happened and how he was short. I can.
1: No wind in the dome. No air circulation in the dome.
0: He's been kicking from 55, something like that. Yeah, but not indoors. I mean, that's...
1: 55 outside versus 55 inside in that dead environment. Humid, hot air. The ball doesn't travel as well. Bottom line, right? the way I see it, kicking a 50-yard field goal for Medlock, whether he can do it with his eyes closed or not, to expect that every single time, is asking way too much. I mean, I was shocked when watching. How about the plays leading up to it? The five yard little dump passes. Right. That even made it a fifty yard field goal when it could have been a forty yard field goal. That's fair. With a little bit of I understand they're playing to probably not intercept the football. But good grief. The play calling on that a few plays prior to that, they almost went out of the time for goodness sakes. They had one second left on the clock.
0: And at the end of the day, Medwalk misses. The Lions pull out a 45-42 win.
1: Oh, what well. is Rainey doing running that all the way down yeah. to the 20-yard line? So
0: I wondered that as well. and we, I asked that on Twitter, and we got a response. Someone suggesting that uh, Chris Rainey picked himself in fantasy this week, and that's why. He was just trying to rack up the yards so he wins CFL fantasy.
1: Returns don't count, I don't Returns think.
0: Returns do count this year. Really? They do, yes. Wow. Chris Rainey wants the return yards. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what he was doing on that play. What the real reason is. I thought I thought it was stupid. I'll be the first one to say that. Drop to the ground, take a knee, whatever you need to do, belly flop. Don't lose the football while you do that. And you yeah, win the football game, running downfield. All of a sudden, someone punches the ball. Up, bombers take it back. Can you imagine?
1: And then they run it all the way back
0: themselves. Exactly. Like, I, I I don't know what the reason behind that was. I I don't think it was very smart. Luckily, it paid out for them in the end. Uh, the Lions are four and one. Travis Lulay over four hundred yards again this week. What do you do when uh, Jonathan Jennings comes back? Jonathan Jennings. I mean, this is a, this is now an open debate, I think. I think, personally, I've thought Jennings should get the number one job back right away as well, because this is his football team. But is there not pressure to ride with the hot hand? Test message.
1: 27 years of excuses. You need a great top win so that excuses can stop. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> from a friend of the show hello <laughs> but yeah no I, I mean
0: th- yeah like you have the hot hand in Lule let's say Jennings comes back in 2-3 weeks from now Lule plays like this for the next 2-3 games do you not and you're winning all of these games do you not have pressure to keep Lule in no
1: nope. why not Jennings is the number one quarterback in B.C. And if you start suggesting that Travis Lulay is the number one over Jonathan Jennings. I'm
0: not suggesting he's number one quarterback in town at all. I'm just saying if you have the hot hand, you ride it, right? Like, why not? It's an interesting argument, right? Like, it's something where... Jennings is the number one quarterback on this team.
1: I think, if anything, it'll give Jennings more time to properly heal. You can keep pushing him back a week with every game, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's be frank. What's the reality of this discussion? If Luley is Owen 3 at the starter, the Lions have lost three straight games. Or two straight
0: games. Well, then for sure, it's Jennings as soon as he comes back. And I think throughout, like, he will play the majority of the games this season, Jonathan Jennings. I just think that Travis Lule, Like, I don't know. That's the thing, right? It depends when he comes back. It depends how Lule plays leading up to when he comes back, you know, if he's back.
1: For me, I want to see what Lule does this week. Against the Edmonton Eskimos. Because I think it's one thing to do it once. It's one thing to do it twice. And let's be frank, Lule wasn't really good in the middle of that football game when the Bombers were rallying. Right. I have to wonder if it was the taste of the Bombers giving Lule the game on a silver platter. It ran to the true for 400 yards, but let's see. Before
0: we move on from this game, I want to say one more thing, and that's about Jake Thomas. Yes. What a beautiful play from Jake Thomas. The Canadian Rugby Association is calling, Jake. They want you on their team. Was that not the most rugby play you've ever seen from a defensive lineman?
1: Speaking of it, that's when Ruppert is about to the Canadian Rugby start to their negotiation yeah. list. That's not the most relevant segue I've ever
0: seen. <laughs> yes. But rugby,
1: rugby, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Lateral. I mean, first of all, Thomas, the athleticism to jump up, tip that up in the air, catch it. He's running with the ball. You think, okay, he's going to get tackled soon, but still, that's a great interception. And then as the peace of mind, this is a defensive lineman. They don't handle the ball very often, you know. He has the peace of mind while he's running to not only just straight lateral it, fakes
1: it one way and then throws it the other way and they run it in for a touchdown how much of this was the tile knots thing from earlier in the football game where he got victimized with the penalty
0: yeah i also want to talk about that that now that you mentioned Knox, that blocked punt by the bombers earlier in the game yep that was incredible
1: a straight head... arm on the football. I know they hit the kicker, but the rule is no. The ball, the ball made contact with the ball first. You can yep free reign on the kicker. That was a block unlike anything I've ever seen. That was a clean block. That I think you're gonna see this year. The ball
0: never even touched Tai Long's foot. He hit it out of the air before it even hit the kicker's foot. It wasn't that the kicker <laughs> kicked the ball into him. He knocked the ball away before he could even kick it. Like, are you kidding me?
1: What, what did the time snap? I have to say, though... It's another to do that. As beautiful as that blocked punt was, I can only
0: watch that so many times because, my goodness, did that look painful for Ty Long. Yeah, I thought he was... The fact that he got up and kept kicking the rest of the game, round thought, of applause. I thought
1: for sure they had Swayze Waters on speed dial.
0: <laughs> Asking him to come back after they released him recently. Uh, let's move on from this game now, Mike. Uh, what do you want to talk about next?
1: I think, staying on the quarterback front, we should talk about trailing late in a football game, no problem for Mike Riley.
0: He does what Mike Riley does best. This could week... you
1: not see that whole thing happening right when they got the ball back? I don't know if you watched the game.
0: I didn't get a chance to catch this one live, no, but. Um. Yeah, I mean, coming into this one, Eskimos undefeated, Cats winless. I mean, it, it was as much of a David Goliath story this season had to offer coming in, right? I mean, the Ticats had given up an average of over 400 yards passing, over or, almost an average of 40 points against per game. They're going against Mike Riley in this Eskimos offense coming into this game. Granted, they didn't have a Darius Bowman because he's now on the injured list. Um, I mean, I was not expecting this one to be close at all. And props to the Tycats because they did make it close. But at the end of the game, I mean, that final drive from the Eskimos was on the Edmonton side a thing of beauty. On the Hamilton side, an absolute nightmare. I mean,
1: look at it this way. Hamilton in the middle of the game. Did everything right to confuse Mike Riley, hence why they were winning. I just don't understand why they went away from Matt on the last drive. It was like they literally gave 15-yard cushions to the receivers and said, Get in field goal range and kicked the field goal. Or I think he actually drove it down the field for a touchdown, but nonetheless. The Edmonton Eskimos are a good football team? Yes that when you give them chances to win, hence three of their four games being trailing in the fourth quarter, did football teams find a way to get it done, no matter how they played in the past? Two years ago, the Eskimos
0: beat the Ottawa Red Blacks in the Grey Cup here in Winnipeg, uh, with Chris Jones as head coach. Obviously, he ends up going to Saskatchewan. Last year, Jason Moss comes in. And they take a bit of a step back last year. Yes, they still made the playoffs, went all the way in the cross over to the East final. Um, but this season, they're looking great so far, 4-0. and What's changed for the
1: Eskimos this season? And The mindset. To me, I think they believe in each other. They believe in what they built last year. I'm just not sure that, you know, it's sustainable for Edmonton, number one, injuries. Number two, are you going to be able to combat every single week in the fashion that the Eskimos have? I think for me, it's more likely BC finishes first in the West if it's gonna be anybody other than Calgary. But my money's still on Calgary.
0: Fair enough. Um, I think part of it also is you know, just Jason Ma's getting an extra year, you know, having that first year as head coach underneath him and in Edmonton, getting used to this team a little more. They've also had guys step up on this team. I mean. They lost Terrell Walker to the NFL in the off season, which was a major blow on offense.
1: But you've but got a that guy receiver, like receiver, that big you, guy, what's his what's his name?
0: You've got a guy like Brandon Zilstra this season who's Matt averaging Zilstra,
1: l- the American rookie, yeah, I'm trying to pick the Duke, yeah. Duke Williams? Duke Williams, that's a guy wow and Zilstra is averaging over
0: 100 yards a game he had a breakout I mean down the stretch last season he was one of the top receivers in the CFL um and he's really taken you know taken over it on that offense and with Adarius Bowman out now he's now the number one go-to target they've got Vidal Hazleton in there in Edmonton who's contributing nicely now um and with John White unfortunately out again now they've got Trayvon Van in there so that offense is running on all cylinders in Edmonton. And uh, would you say we're in for a shootout this week again with the BC Lions?
1: Oh, my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. Um your friends are back at it. I'll explain later. Um, oh, boy. That caught me out, dude. But what was your question? BC
0: Lions and Edmonton Eskimos this yeah. week. This high-powered Eskimos offense, high-powered
1: BC offense. Are we in for a shootout? We've said yes in the past and not in the 13-10 game. True. Somewhere in the middle.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Settle the losses. 20,
1: take this. 27-24, 31-28, something like that.
0: Now the other side of this game, you, we talked about the Eskimos, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They're still winless on the season, zero four. But there were a lot of positives for them in this game, was there not?
1: For Hamilton, Hamilton, yeah. But again, it's you can't close it down when it counts. Zach Caleros, deep breath because. Does he not get hit on every play? Pretty much. No wonder he's getting frustrated. They can't seem to keep him upright.
0: And that's a big issue with why they are 0 4 so far, you
1: know that first Big, big mistake was moving Pete Dietowski. Interesting. Just his casual. Hmm. Isn't he in Toronto now? Nope, in Saskatchewan. Okay. Hamilton and Peter Halski to Saskatchewan for some offensive line depth.
0: Right, right, okay.
1: I, I, I don't know when Ted Laurent is your best player.
0: I mean, he's a heck of a football player. So let's let's start but with that.
1: the rest of your defense on. I put Winnipeg and Hamilton defense in the same boat as far as problems on the back end of their defense. I just don't know why Jeff Reinbold outfought himself on that one. He went away from what worked. He gave Mike Riley the time of day to come back in the football game in the last minute. I just don't know... I just don't know what you do in Hamilton because, you know, you look at a Calgary game, miss missweet for Hamilton and then into Edmonton on the road, like, Owen sits is a real possibility here. Mm hmm. Then what?
0: Is that too far to come back from? I mean, it, it hasn't been in the past. Look at the BC Lions in 2011.
1: I think the BC Lions of 2011 and the Hamilton Cats of 2017 are completely different football teams.
0: Interesting.
1: Until you fix that offensive line and allow Colorado some decent time to throw the football, I don't know if Owen sits can be climbed out of, but I also think that Hamilton I don't think is in a position to fire Ken Austin because he basically oversees the entire football operation staff. Who's gonna be your director of football ops? Who's gonna be your director of scouting? Who's gonna be your head coach? Who's gonna be the director of player personnel? You're not one guy tied to about six or seven positions within your organization. That's not something you can do in the middle of the season.
0: That's an excellent point.
1: Hence, have coaching changes in any league in general, particularly with the CFL, have they helped? The Pittsburgh Penguins would say yes. Yeah, but that's a completely different...
0: Right. No, you asked for in any league, I would say the Pittsburgh Penguins. But yes, more, but more, often, exactly, more often than not, a coaching change does not make a huge impact middle of the season. I would argue, though, like some people say that, right? It's not going to make an impact on this season if you make the coaching change in the middle. I would argue, though, if you have a bad situation, though even if it doesn't make a change for this season, you go and make the coaching change because your new coach is getting that experience with your football team for how many games at the end of the season, right? Leading into next
1: year, whether whereas next year he's starting completely fresh, but are you completely ready to write off Ken Austin for three straight playoff appearances? No, should have been two great top appearances were it not for miracle plays at the end.
0: No, certainly not. And no, that's not what I was referencing with that. I was just saying in general, oh, I know, right?
1: I know, but so why why now when you have one down year out of four? However, football is a what have you done for me lately, Ben? Exactly. Maybe had the clock struck midnight in Hamilton?
0: The Cats defense that's... has struggled so far this season. Uh, today earlier today announced they were bringing uh re-signing defensive back dominique Ellis um to help their defense there um we'll see if it helps i mean this week they're playing calgary Bo levi mitchell jerome messum that could get ugly uh kamar jordans one of the top receivers in or, the or
1: or will it get ugly i expected that dominic the rider right to get ugly but i was waiting for it but it never happened
0: and that's what i want to talk about next to sum up the tie cats like i said before I expect them to get blown out by the Eskimos coming into this game. Uh, And they really held their own for the most part. This is the first game in four tries this season. The Ticats, I would argue, have been competitive. Um, So that's good to see. Now the problem is they're playing against the Stampeders this week. But I would argue, I mean, out of this three-game stretch, Eskimos, Stampeders, Eskimos, this is the best chance they've got. Coming up this week, the Stampeders... As we transition into talking about them so far this season,
1: there's still. Does Mitchell? Is there something wrong with by Mitchell?
0: I don't know. And let's, let's 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 you know start this off with saying. The Calgary Stampeders have seven points. They're one point away from first place in the CFL right now. They're 3-1-1. One and one. Like, that's a great start to the season. But it's... But we call it an air... We call it an air-quote slowish start to the season because it's the Calgary Stampeders where we, we, we expect from them, you know, we expect greatness year in and year out. I say this every week when I'm filling out my CFL pick Oh, who are you going to pick this week? Well, Calgary, of course. Just look at the winning percentages over the last couple of years. If you're a betting man in Vegas, you bet on the odds, and you're going anybody, to bet on
1: Calgary. Anybody other than Saskatchewan and sorry Rider fans, I don't think we're talking about a Calgary win right now.
0: I, I would have honestly still picked Calgary. I have, you know. Even a 27-20 with the rider's inability to. Because the Calgary Stampeders are at home and the Calgary Stampeders lost the previous game. Those are two insane records they have right now. That's something that the Stampeders... They have not lost two consecutive games And Do you know how many years it is now? bunch.
1: That's a bunch. 48 straight games or 49 straight.
0: Exactly. Where they followed up a loss with a win, right? And so it's like... I'm so
1: glad the Bombers aren't going to be man until we 20. I would agree. Because by all accounts... Of- the Stampeders have locked up first place. Rusting dies.
0: I think it's going to be a little tighter than it has been in, uh, the last couple of seasons. I think, I think that top spot in the West Division is going to get real interesting between the Eskimos, the Lions, and the Stampeders this season. I think by these all are,
1: means, Bombers nine and nine
0: cross it over. The I mean Calgary, they're they're they've still played great this year, but compared to our expectations of them year in, year out, I mean, you look at that game against the Bombers that they won, there were some moments in that game where the defense, I mean, the offense struggled to get anything going, right? Like, the Bombers came up with the turnovers. If the Bombers' offense could have just got rolling that game, you know, things would have been different. They were leading the Stampeders at one point, and then Bombers' defense just got tired, and Bo Levi-Mitchell, to his credit, as well as that Calgary offense, manipulated that tired defense and really took control of that game. This game as well against Saskatchewan, like you said, I mean, what was the
1: final score in this one, Mike? It was, uh, I don't even know what it was, but it was the close one for a long time. It was, 20, it
0: was time. 27-10, but at one point uh, we're looking at a 17-10 game. That's I have that's having the football. So that was something that certainly I didn't expect coming in.
1: Can we talk about something else in regards to this game? Sure. In maybe what Saskatchewan didn't do, such as shooting themselves in the foot on the first drive of the football game. What happened? Offside, five-yard penalty, five-yard penalty, ten-yard penalty, and don't even get me started about the refs. <laughs> My head just wants to explode. Exhibit A, two challenges on one play when it could have been officially handled after the first challenge. To reset, Cowdery throws the ball. Bo Levi Mitchell, I believe this is what happened, overthrew the receiver. uh, Cowdery, I'm sorry, Saskatchewan, Challenged it because they called a penalty on the play for a legal contact. Saskatchewan called. Saskatchewan challenged that there was no penalty on the play. Then they wiped the penalty out. Dave think said, okay, I want to challenge. Oh, sorry, they wiped out a pass interference, I think it was. Saskatchewan challenged. They won the challenge. So no penalty, Dave Dissenton says, "Hang on a minute, pits up the his challenge fight out of his pocket, throws it farther than I've seen any other coach throw it in in the history of c f l challenges, and he decides to now challenge for a legal contact ten yards just He just get. de- He gets the challenge, so he gets, he wins the challenge on top of the challenge. And the whole episode lasted about 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And in the first two and a half minutes of the game, you have three challenges. When fixing one challenge and being able to spot something else and being preemptive of a situation or pre-reactive, if that's even a word... Had the CFL official and been able to fit that, like, don't you think in the CFL that if, you know, you have a close circumstance that you could say, oh, but, oh, but the other team might challenge for this. So we might want to call this to avoid.
0: You just gave me a great idea, Mike. CFL week in March, I want to see a coaches throwing the challenge flag competition. Who can throw it farther? <laughs> Maybe that's how we'll settle preseason ties going forward.
1: I have a real peeve with this officiating agenda this week. We see the same thing every single week, and it's getting very, very frustrating. Very frustrating. The one good thing I will give a CFL props for? Taking a commercial during the challenge. So they review it during the commercial. And you come back. So you don't get a challenge. Have them talking about the replay. And then doing a commercial two minutes later.
0: That part is nice. We can take out one of the 50 million commercials. But...
1: (laughs) But, yeah, the CFL has a long way to go, and they created this problem by initiating this 10-yard alito contact, which to me, and I've said this multiple times on this show, was an overreaction to two down years of offense.
0: We got about 15 minutes left, so I kind of want to go a little more rapid fire on a couple of these Th- topics here. Ricky Ray. So far this season, you and I were talking about this, I believe, yesterday. I mean, he's really come back into form this season, taking a page out of Henry Burris' playbook. You know, the ageless wonder, I would say. Um, Is he your MOP candidate out of the East Division? In the East, yep. Victor
1: Butler might make an argument.
0: I mean, Ray's been incredible so far this season. Victor
1: Butler would argue otherwise.
0: For sure. Although he's injured now, correct?
1: Yeah, injured... Believed to be serious at first, but now they believe it's not long-term.
0: I mean, Ricky Ray so far this season. Yeah, like how can, who else in the East would you even, say, put up as a candidate? Greg Ellingson from Ottawa? I mean,
1: what a circus catch last night. Just to reiterate a little bit, 24-17. Toronto left to go for it on third in the chain link. They don't get it. Trevor Harris to Dredd Allington on an unbelievable play. First play like a Hail Mary corner of the end zone. To the only dive that seemingly knows how to make the surface catch. Big game. Greg Allington. Terrific touchdown. Leading to your other point. Ricky Ray performing surgery. Leading the Argos to a chip shot field goal for former Bomber Liram Alphabet, <laughs> Liram Alphabet, and Liram uh, Haralu- Harala- Harulahu, hitting a 27-24 win for the Argos,
0: and the Argos are three and two now. And I mean, the play of Ricky Ray has been a large portion of that. He's uh,
1: so they're first in the East. Uh, they are first in the East. Montreal's yeah. two and three. Ottawa's one and. 1-4-1, one,
0: one, and, and the Thai Cats are o four and 0 I mean, I think for the Argos, just with Ray the last couple of seasons, he's still played decently, but I think the injuries have held him back a little bit. And right now, I mean, it looks like
1: Ricky Ray is healthy. Coordinator of the year goes to Corey Chamlin, the defensive coordinator of the Argos. I never thought I'd uh,
0: hear that anytime soon, you know, after he was let go by the Riders.
1: Some guys, I, I don't know what it is, and I was having this discussion with somebody in my family when it was suggested that Corey Chamberlain coached, right, And suggested We all know how that ended up. And then we basically said that Corey Chamberlain is not a good coach because he got fired. Right. Some coordinators are better... Some coaches are better coordinators when they focus on small stuff or one element of football offense, defense, special teams. I um, don't
0: and
1: and they're not able to do the big game all three facets. Manage. It's
0: like what we talked about with Jim Pop
1: being general manager and head coach, right? Another fine example would be Tim Burke, really good defensive coordinator of Montreal. A so-so head coach in Winnipeg.
0: And I mean, to counteract your point, I don't think being fired makes you... I mean, at the time, perhaps, it makes you think, yeah, he's a bad coach, but I mean, many bad coaches, or many good coaches have been fired at one point or another, given (laughs) the situation around the team. It's not always about the coach. The coach is often the scapegoat for deeper problems with the football team. I want to talk about the Ottawa Red Blacks here, because 1-4-1 through six weeks in the season, or no, through five weeks... First of all, in any logical league, that math should not add up. One four and one six games played in five weeks.
1: One. Oh, yeah.
0: You know they had the two games this week. Uh, they and pulled no out. And
1: that... no until week eighteen and twenty. Really? Because last week, last night game counted as week six or week five, wherever we are. Um.
0: Yeah, they uh they played that first game against Montreal on Wednesday last week, uh, and then which they pulled out the late win in that one. That was another After close playing
1: game. Friday the week before. That
0: was another close game, that one there. And then the loss to the Argos this game. I mean you look at the you look at these first six games from the Ottawa Red Blacks, game one, tying Calgary, they lose by four points to the Stampeders in week two, one point to the Argos in week three, two points to the Eskimos in week four, and then Five point. They beat Montreal by five points, and they lose to the Argos by three. They've played
1: six games this season, and every game's been decided by five points or less. Realistically, right? They shouldn't have won that Montreal game. If Montreal converts a third and inches lead in the fourth quarter, Montreal's presumably driving in to win the football game. I mean, this is a team like they've been close. They arguably are one play
0: away from being six and zero, like one play in each of these games, right? But the problem is they're not getting that play. We talked about with the Hamilton Tiger Cats how de- and also that twenty eleven BC Lions team that started zero and six and came back and won the Grey Cup, and how you said these teams are vastly different. I see a lot of parallels between these Ottawa Red Blacks and those BC Lions because that would be a better comparison than that of Hamilton because. The Red Blacks are close. Like, they should be better than the 1-4-1 one, one, one record they are. If they're not playing three games in 11 days, who knows? Their next game now, week seven, August 4th, so nine days
1: from now, uh, at home to the Bombers. And that's a big game. Bombers win that game. They got to light up on the crossover.
0: I want to talk about one more thing here before, and then we'll do some weekly picks to finish yep. off the uh, finish off the show. There's a cool thing happening tomorrow, Mike. Something I've been looking forward to and wanting for many years. The CFL video game has arrived. Oh. There's a company based in Vancouver right, called I Canuck Play this. has gone and made a CFL video game called Canadian Football 2017, which releases tomorrow. So I take it you'll be busy tomorrow. Um, I will not. Um... Xbox One released on there, and they've also released it for PC gamers on Steam. Um, I believe you need the Xbox 360 controller in order to play it on there, though. But Canadian football video game, we've been wanting it for years. It's finally arrived. So exciting.
1: Yeah, except half of us can't play it, those of us in the...
0: I as far as I'm right, as far as I'm aware, they are working on trying to get that involved as well. Again, this is no in no way a sponsorship. This is just something I thought was cool. Um, Canadian Football 2017 comes out tomorrow. um You get the PC version. You can go and set custom rosters, edit that, and everything. Kind of got me thinking, Mike. I don't know if there's a fantasy draft feature in the game, but. Uh, If you had to pretend you're starting the 10th franchise in the CFL mm-hmm. uh, and you have access to any player in the league, first pick, who who are you taking? Who do you want to be the cornerstone of your future franchise?
1: Bully by Mitchell. Why? <laughs> His record speaks for itself in Calgary. Um, you need a quarterback. Every team needs a quarterback. It's a quarterback you know nowhere in this league.
0: I agree with you on that one. If you had to pick any active coach in the CFL for your new franchise.
1: Mark, Why? His worth speaks for itself. Uh, don't take this the wrong way. He's taking a Toronto Argonauts team that may appear average to most fans. And getting the most out of that roster. You know, they're 3-2. They could very easily be 4-1. and one. I'm looking at that game against the Bombers. They got a really good quarterback in Richie Ray. Mark Trustman knows how to push players' buttons to get the most out of them.
0: I would say Wally Buono personally. I mean, his Ooh. track record speaks for itself. I think. How about it, you?
1: Who who would you take as the player?
0: As a player, Bo Levi Mitchell. I I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I think his winning record speaks for itself. Not only that, if you're starting a new franchise. You have your starting quarterback. You want to make sure he's staying on the football field. And health record over the last number of seasons, who's been the most healthy guy in the CFL? It's been Bo Levi Mitchell. Solomon
1: Alaminian will be a very close number two for me.
0: I would agree on that. Um, General manager, pick any GM in the CFL. Huffnadel. I would agree with you on that one as well. Um, His knack for finding talent. I mean, you look at the Calgary Stampeders every season, it seems they've... Although, Marcel Desjardins would be a close two for me. Yeah, it's... I guess I guess you kind of weigh in on that. Desjardins kind of done the uh, free agency side of it. Okay, let's load up through that way. And I think Huffnagel offers that side of, okay, let's uh, let's find go out and
1: find this guy and develop him type, you know? I didn't realize this. Just... Kamar Jordan's in his fourth year in the CFL. Fourth? Spent three years on Calgary's practice roster. Oh,
0: wow. Well, last season, he was a member of the Stampeders. He was? Yeah. And two years before that. No, but last season, he actually played on the regular
1: roster Oh yeah, the practice yeah. roster. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, let's get into our picks here to end off the... Can I
1: just slide one thing in here quickly? Quickly. Op- option and opportunity to pitch the CFO raffle. Give the coaches one challenge per quarter. You cannot carry it over.
0: Hmm. That's giving them the opportunity to challenge four times in a game, though, Mike. Yep. There's a lot of challenges. We don't need a slower game than this. Well, you just
1: used three of them on in that Calgary-Saskatchewan game on something that should have been fairly obvious. Fair enough. Uh, if the refs can't get the call right, why are the... Especially that bomber game. Did you see that drop that hit the turf? And Michael Shea had to use a challenge, even though it's very, very obvious. Yeah. It's plays like that where I think one challenge per quarter, you can't carry it over just to hold the refs a little more accountable. Weekly picks,
0: Bombers hosting the Alouettes Thursday night. Oh,
1: boy. I pit the Bombers, they lose. I pit the opposition, they win. <laughs>
0: I'll watch by tree. I think I'm going to take the Bombers in this one. Um, I'm hoping this edition of Darian Durant against the Bombers goes a little more healthy than the previous ones, because yep. if you remember, there's a track record, unfortunately, of him getting injured against now, the Bombers. Was that the game or he had an injury that killed you? So was I, and I do not want to see that happen, obviously. I think the Bombers... Did bom- he won on the game? Yes. Good. Um, I think the Bombers... I'm going to take the Bombers to win this one. I think that defense is going to be scary playing against that Montreal defense, but I also think that the Bombers defense, the Montreal offense, I don't think,
1: is that strong. If the Bombers were playing Montreal last week instead of BC, would they have won? Yes. I I
0: agree. Um, The shootout, BC-Edmonton, or the proposed shootout that might end in like a 13-10
1: game, like you said, Edmonton's at home to BC. Edmonton. Why? I don't believe Travis Lulay yet. I just think Edmonton makes one one more play at home. Uh, crowd advantage. I think it's about a two-and-a-half point line right now, somewhere around that neighborhood. Give it to the home team. This is going to be
0: a tough one. I can't pick it. It's so close. These are the top two teams in the CFL right now. Uh, I'll go with the home field advantage and pick the Eskimos in this one as well. Um, Saskatchewan at home to the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, The Riders, first half was a nightmare this week, but they played pretty good in the second half. Um, Argos, I mean, Ricky Ray's on a roll. I'm taking the Toronto Argonauts. I like what I've seen from them so far this season, especially actually the last two weeks. What I've seen with the outbreak of Anthony Coombs, I love seeing him more involved in that Argos offense, uh, University of Manitoba product.
1: Uh, So I'm taking the Argos uh, Toronto on a short week. Having played Monday. Dwan Regina Saturday. I just don't believe the Riders. Um, if the Riders don't shoot themselves in the foot. And get off to a better start. They have a chance to win. I'm just not sure it's this week. I think Kevin Dwan has taken one too many hits. That made Rider Nation a little bit edgy. And there's a rider Post game caller Sheldon, who had a pretty epic rant after the game the other day. I don't know if you heard about it, but no. Anyway, I, I do pick Toronto. Toronto in the close one. Wouldn't be surprised, however, if the Riders took it.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Calgary is at home to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't know if that changes things for you. No. No. Um, no, no. No. I I mean I think the Tiger Cats. This is their opportunity out of the you know this portion of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Calgary being at home, that changes things. I'm taking the I'm taking the Stampeders wholeheartedly here. I,
1: I I take the Stamps by a touchdown. Wouldn't be surprised if it's less than a touchdown, but I just with the pressure that Mike Johnson and others bring. I don't know if that offensive line for Hamilton holds. That's
0: it for today's show. Uh, If you like what you hear, follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM. CFC stands for Canadian Football Countdown in case that needs explanation. Uh, Like us on Facebook at CFC on Mike FM. And also um, our SoundCloud page, the Canadian Football Countdown. All of these shows will be uploaded there starting this week. Um, that's it for today's show. We're back next Monday, 7 to 8 p.m. Uh, here on Mike FM Winnipeg.
1: We're left in the dark again How the light went out. Anyway, the lights go out on this show. On behalf of Brian Coop, this is Michael Jussing. tonight. night. Thank you for listening.